Amen. If you are new to North Hills, this is the time in which we open up God's Word, preach it, expound upon it. We're going to continue on in Colossians chapter 2 this morning, primarily, primarily looking at verses 11 and 12. John, uh, John asked me last Sunday if I would want to preach this passage and then he would preach the text I had later in the month. I said yes, but as I have reflected and studied over this last week, we can cover many passages that relate to circumcision and baptism. But I hope for our time together this morning, by the help and guidance of the Spirit, we come away from Colossians 2 with more clarity that believers are encouraged and that those who do not believe in Christ are convicted this morning by the Spirit. And so before we dive into Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, let us pray to our King. Lord, as we have gathered on this day, may your word be clear to your people. Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord. May our lives not exalt ourselves or puff up ourselves, but point to the King of heaven and earth. May our lives be spent to glorify you. And Lord, as we walk through this passage regarding circumcision and baptism, may my tongue speak your truth. May your word go forth. And Lord, remind us of how rich we are in Jesus. This world is fading away. The struggles of this world may arise, but because of Jesus and His work, we seek a country far better than this one. And so, Lord, renew us in the good news this day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 6 through 12. Our, our focus is going to be verses 11 and 12, but I'm going to read verses 6 through 12. Starting in verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled with Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands." by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. This is God's Word. As we have walked through the book of Colossians, we have been regularly reminded of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. In verse 13 of chapter 1, we see that Jesus has delivered us from the dominion of God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. In verse seventeen, Scripture says, 
in, in chapter 1, in Him all things hold together. And as we were reminded last week, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So Jesus is truly God and truly man. So the book of Colossians emphasizes who Jesus is and continues to do so in this passage today with a repeated emphasis on what Christ has done with the phrases, in Him you were circumcised by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him, raised with Him, and the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. So this passage confronts us with these two words, circumcision and baptism. True circumcision, the circumcision of Christ, is the circumcision of the heart. And we'll, we will expound more upon this in, the mo- in a moment. But regarding baptism, believers, when they enter the waters and they are immersed, we are showing our union with Christ through His death, burial, and resurrection. Baptism shows the world that we are His. We belong to the King. And so the main point of this passage, both circumcision of Christ and baptism reflect upon the supremacy of Jesus and how He has redeemed a people for His glory. And so as we walk through this passage, we have two points this morning. Two points this morning. The first in verse 11. The circumcision of Christ, the circumcision, the circumcision of Christ signifies change. It's in verse 11. The second point is baptism signifies our union with Jesus Christ. Baptism signifies our union with Jesus Christ. So the first point, the circumcision of Christ signifies change in verse 11. And then verse 12, baptism signifies our union with Jesus Christ. So to our first point this morning in verse 11, the circumcision of Christ signifies change. Let's read verse 11 again. In Him also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So Scripture here in verse 11 begins with the phrase, In Him. This is a phrase that has been repeatedly used throughout this letter to remind the church of what Christ has done for believers in the New Covenant. In verse 6 of chapter 2, believers have received Jesus. They have believed upon Him. And what are believers to do? Walk in Him. And if we've been purchased by Him, we will follow Him, walk in Him, and then continually be built up in Him, as verses 6 and 7 says. But those who do not believe upon the Son are not united to Him. So we see this this drastic change, right? Those, those who believe upon Christ are united to Him. Those who do not believe upon the Son are, un- are not united to Him. And so those who have received Him, who have trusted in Him, have union with Him. So Scripture's repeated emphasis here just, just reminds us of the glories of Jesus and everything we are and have as a body of believers is because of what Christ has done. And so this phrase, in Him, should remove any thoughts of pride within us. 
and cause believers to glory in our God. Look at what he has done. Look at what he has accomplished. And look at what he has given to his people. And so what has happened in him? What has happened in him? Scripture continues on here. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. If you think about the early readers of this letter, when they are met with this phrase, a circumcision made without hands, this would have been something unfamiliar to, to them. It would have caused them to stop and reflect because what would have first come to mind is the circumcision of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 through, through 14, we are shown this covenant sign with Abraham of, of circumcision. Scripture says in Genesis chapter 17, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your, genera- you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So so shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. And any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So in this act of circumcision in the Old Testament, it is a, it is a mark. It is a mark that is made by hands. Paul uh, says, says this in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 11, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. So this is a cut that marked the males of Israel. And so God has made a covenant, a relationship between God and his people with with Adam, with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, and with David. And these covenants pointed forward to the new covenant to come in Jesus Christ. And so this circumcision here in chapter 2 what, what is this circumcision in him without human hands? This is a part of the new covenant with Jesus. This is not the description of circumcision of the Old Testament. Just because one was cut outwardly does not mean a heart change happened inwardly. And so what is this circumcision here? This circumcision here refers to the new birth. One being made new in Jesus Christ. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, pointing forward to this in Christ. Scripture says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. Again in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, which says, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. So this circumcision in 
verse 11 of chapter 2 of Colossians is not done by human hands. But this is God's sovereign work upon the hearts of His people. God has made one new. He has changed hearts. This is not the, the case for all of Israel. Circumcision in the Old Testament could not save But this circumcision here is referring to one's heart being changed by Christ. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 is pointing forward to this in Jesus. The scripture says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Romans Chapter 2, verse 29, tells us what this circumcision not made by hands is to be. Scripture says, Circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. And this verse is also pointing out that Those who were wanting their circumcision, thinking that it redeemed, were celebrating a tradition rather than worshiping the Lord. It goes back to what John said last week about these deceptive philosophies. Paul is pointing out the bankruptcy of the Jewish tradition and the shadows of the Old Testament pointed to the substance, which is Christ. So if you want the shadows, you will miss the substance which is Jesus. So this act of circumcision here in Colossians 2, the heart has been changed. This has happened in the life of the believer. And beloved, there there are no passive sinners. There are no passive sinners. We hated the Lord in our sin. And because of what the Lord has done in our hearts, we now love Him. We want Him. This is a sovereign act of the Lord. We didn't change our hearts. He did. He did. And so believers in the Lord Jesus who have been circumcised without human hands will then put off the body of the flesh. As we come to this next phrase in our text. What is a desire for those who have been changed by Christ? To remove sin to kill it to not let it fester and grow we're called to put it off can a dead dead person in their sin remove their deadness no but the christian who has been changed by the spirit working in their lives will desire to kill sin to remove the old ways to put them off when we moved back to louisiana i had to go change my driver's license from a Kentucky license to a Louisiana license. I am no longer a resident of Kentucky. My Kentucky license is no longer valid because I'm a resident of Louisiana. I am marked by a new identity. How much more is this for the believer? Those in Christ, our identity is changed. We don't want to live for our glory, but His. We are marked by Him. Will we continue in sin? 
Yes, but by the Spirit, we have a desire to remove it, repent of it. And by the work of Christ, we hate our sin. We hate it. Because in Christ's body of flesh, He has reconciled us to God in order to present believers holy and blameless and above reproach before Him, as Colossians chapter 1, verse 22 says. Tom Schreiner comments on this passage. He says, Christ's cross is the true circumcision for believers. And so again, this passage is pointing to the work of Christ and what He has done in the lives of His people. Continuing on, Scripture uses the phrase the circumcision of Christ, repeating a thought that began at the first portion of this verse with a circumcision made without hands. So Christ has fulfilled all that circumcision pointed to. And this circumcision of Him is the new birth. We have been born again from above and we have union with Him. If one's heart is not changed, there is no love for the Lord. An inward change is going to produce outward fruit. And our lives cannot be the same. A heart that loves the Lord will desire to glorify God with all that they are. And so Christ's circumcision is a sacrifice. The whole life of the believer, our whole life is changed. Not just a portion, our whole life is changed. And as we walk through this passage, this again is a spiritual circumcision. This is not regarding a physical circumcision that then relates to baptism. This is regarding circumcision of the heart. And one day, we will stand before a holy God. And you will not be righteous because of your parents, because of your race, background, or social status. One is not righteous by outward circumcision. The only way we will stand righteous before a holy God is by faith in Jesus. Knowing that He lived perfectly. While we have sinned, He did not sin. And He died in our place upon the cross. And He rose again from the grave. He has paid our penalty of sin, which was death. So those who believe upon Him will have peace with God. And Jesus' righteousness is credited. It's given to those who have come in faith. And we have gone from being dead dead in sin to being made alive by Him. If you have not trusted in Christ, repent of your sin. Run to Jesus. Place your faith in Him. Those who come to Him in repentance, He does not turn away. And as believers who have trusted in Christ, we will desire to live holy lives honorable to the Lord. Those by the circumcision of Christ do not want to go back to the old ways. That old person is gone. And there is a putting off of the body of flesh, which is also mentioned later on in Colossians chapter 3. So Christian... 
Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed by the things that this life brings. You have union with Christ. Run to Him. Your hurt, your pains, your sorrows, your griefs are heard by Him. Our assurance is not in the act of circumcision or being born into a family that may love Jesus. Our assurance, as we continue to look in this passage, is not in baptism. Our assurance is in Jesus Christ. And His people are marked by changed hearts. As we continue on, our second point this morning, baptism signifies our union. Baptism signifies our union with Jesus Christ. Baptism signifies our union with Jesus Christ. Let's read verse 12 again. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So verse 11 began by the phrase, in him. This verse begins, having been buried with him. Some translate it, when you were buried with him in baptism. So this, is, this is signifying that in baptism, the believer is united with Christ's death. And as we will see later, his resurrection as well. So think of how verse 11 starts by stating, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Then verse 12 begins with a similar phrase, you were buried. You were buried, or having been buried with him in baptism. This is so that Christ's glory is on display among the nations, right? He has changed our hearts, and believers are united with him, and they are baptized. Circumcision in the, in the Old Testament united a physical people, Israel, from one descendant, Abraham. Baptism unites believers under one man, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who has changed their hearts by his circumcision. Circumcision in the Old Testament marked a nation to be holy, yet it did not produce holy living. Baptism shows that from the nations come a people united in salvation by faith in Jesus and will live for His glory. Circumcision in the Old Testament did not ensure regeneration. Baptism does not ensure regeneration, but points to to the regenerating work of Christ. Baptism does not save, but points to the King who does. Circumcision demanded a change of heart. Baptism testifies of what Jesus has done to the heart. As Bobby Jameson put put it, circumcision says to Israel, make yourselves new. Baptism says to, to Christians, this one has been made new. Yet in our community, we have congregations that meet and teach One must be baptized to be a believer in the Lord Jesus and that baptism is their assurance. You can tell that by when they ask, have you 
Not, not have you trusted in Christ, but they ask, have you been baptized? We have some congregations in our area that can't sing Jesus paid at all. They will sing Jesus paid some of it. They may say, you must be baptized to be saved. You must speak in tongues to be saved. You must dress this way to be saved. You, you can go on with that. But Evan, doesn't Scripture say in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, that baptism saves you? The context of 1 Peter 3 discusses how God in His providence delivers Noah from the flood by the ark. And then we as believers have been delivered by Christ and gone through the waters of baptism. God has made a provision and one is redeemed only when they behold King Jesus, repenting and confessing their sin. So baptism is is very important. It is a sign that, that we are united to Christ and we've confessed Him. But it points, baptism points to our deliverer. And its waters, its waters do not bring salvation. Salvation comes from the Lamb. Love, look to Him who took the cross for us. He was buried. He was buried. And He was raised from the grave. And so Scripture connects the death and burial of Christ to baptism because baptism points to the finished work of Christ upon the cross and that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. We see this with the, with the continuing with the phrase in this passage, buried with Christ. This phrase is saying that the believer, when buried under the water, the word baptism literally means to immerse or immerse, is, is pointing to the fact that Christ has paid for their sins by the way of the cross and the tomb. In the Lord Jesus, our sins are forgiven. As Psalm 103, verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. So baptism is symbolizing what has occurred in conversion. The old person is gone, is dead, is buried. We are united with Christ in His death. This is what the Apostle Paul also says in the letter of, uh, of Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? But friends, our King did not stay in the grave, nor do we stay below the waters when we are baptized. This is what the Apostle says, continuing on in chapter 6 of Romans, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Those who have believed in Christ are united to Christ, are those who follow Him in baptism. By following in baptism, we are confessing that the old person is dead. It is no longer I who live. That person is gone. I have union with Christ. 
The old is gone. We are new people in Him. And we are raised from the waters to walk in the newness of life. Testifying to the world that we are Christ and He is ours. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 continues on. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. And we see this correlation here from Romans 6 to Colossians 2 verse 12. It says, In which you were raised with Him through faith, the powerful working of God. We have been raised with Christ by faith. Our faith is in the Son. Again, those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus should be baptized. It's not the faith of by the faith of parents in which one is baptized. It's the faith of the one who has trusted in Jesus that should go to the water. And we are declaring to the world that we will follow our King, that we will follow Jesus. He has changed our lives from loving sin and pursuing it to loving Him. And as we are raised out of the waters of baptism, it is symbolizing what has happened at the point of conversion. We are different. As Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, raised to walk in the newness of life. We are not raised to walk in the old paths of sin and destruction. No, God has changed our hearts. But beloved, it's also pointing to the day in which these earthly bodies will fail and we will be with the King forever. As you arise from the waters of baptism, this is a display of the powerful work of God in your life. As we've seen with those over the last few years baptized here, God has sovereignly placed people in their lives to share the gospel. And God has worked upon their hearts. They believe what Christ has done to save sinners and they desire to follow in baptism. Again, this is a powerful work of God on display. God has sovereignly worked in our lives and put His glory on display. All of us, all of us were dead in our sins. We had no hope. Dead in the grave. We had no faith to behold Him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, Faith is a gift of God. And God in His marvelous grace and mercy worked by Spirit to open our eyes to see, ears to hear, and our heart to understand the gospel. Beloved, in the powerful working of God, Jesus was raised from the grave. As Acts chapter 2, verse 24 says, God raised Him, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for Him to be held by it. Those who believe in Him, those who believe in Him will be raised too. Who has been changed by Jesus, raised from death to walk in the newness of life? That desires to exalt themselves. 
Do our lives testify to the powerful working of God? Or we display a life that testifies that God is okay with sin and we just need to come to Him whenever we wanted. This is easy believism. I was at a funeral once where a person said, this, this woman was such a good person, she almost didn't need Jesus to die for her sins. Beloved, that is not the gospel. Every single one of us has sinned against a holy God. And every single one of us is deserving of death and hell. That God in His grace has sovereignly worked and brought about salvation through His Son. One being raised from the dead can only point to the work of God. And those who have trusted in Christ by faith have been raised from the grave. And that is a miracle. That is a miracle from the Lord. And our lives are meant to be spent for the glory of God in the world. If you are a believer, if you are a believer, rest not in a prayer that you may have prayed. Rest in the one to whom you have prayed. Rest not in your baptism. Rest in the one to whom your baptism pointed. To the sufficient work of Christ. That His blood has paid the penalty for our sin. Beloved, if we have been circumcised without hands, we have been made new in Christ. We are called to put off this body of flesh. In baptism, believers are identifying with Jesus in His death, burial, and resurrection. Baptism is testifying to the world that the old person is gone and your identity is found in Jesus Christ. The circumcision of Christ signifies change. Baptism signifies our union with Him. Beloved, we only get one life and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Lord, you are the sovereign. You are the king. And we have no hope on our own. But in love, you sent your son, the Lord Jesus, to bear our sins upon the cross. He was buried and he rose again. And Lord, may you continue to work on the hearts of your people. Continue to remind us what baptism symbolizes and what has occurred in our hearts. Lord, if there are those who are listening who have not trusted in Jesus, may today be the day of salvation. May you work on their hearts and may they trust in Christ. We can chase and chase and chase the things of this world and never be satisfied. We know, we know, Lord, that you satisfy our souls.
and bring rest. And so may our lives be spent to bring you glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.